It's the end of Sinister's reign. Ooh. Is it, though? I mean... Which Sinister? Sure, sure. What's well, even happening? Right, right. Who won? Because someone did. But we don't know. We don't know. Mysterious voice of the void. Wrapped in red, though. You're a ghost! Ooh, man, oh, man. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm a ghost. Named Justin. Named Justin. <laughs> oh, goodness gravy. Well, Dominion happened, so it did. that's something. It did. It, it, I saw nothing but positivity across the board. From the people? From the people. The people, even the people that were like, meh, here and there in the event. It was like, all right, it stuck the landing. It stuck right. the landing. It tied a bow. It, it pushed the presence into the... the Living room, and then Christmas occurred. <laughs> and then Christmas occurred. Well, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's talk about what we're talking about today, which is uh, two Infinity Comics, Love Unlimited number 47 and X-Men Unlimited number 84. We've got Deadpool number 6, The Invincible Iron Man number 5, Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain number 3, and Sins of Sinister Dominion. Wow. Wow. Six, six titles, two digital, four tangible. And probably two high level. Yeah, but yeah. also the news. The news. Yeah. You just couldn't let me have the last. <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's my thing. Ugh. It's my thing. Whatever. So many things are your thing. I have no things. You know, have all I the have things. All the things. <laughs> anyway, you know what's the thing? Magneto's helmet. And there's yeah. an article about the history of Magneto's helmet. Oh. Interestingly tied to a reveal and usage in this week's Sins of Sinister. It seems like they planned that or something. Honestly, that, that just excites me more about the fact that there's someone at Marvel that gets to read the issues early and then think of okay this would make a cool detail article that's the that's my job come on that's my job that's yeah that that's sounds so cool job for that's, you Justin. come on i get to just interview people and write little tidbit articles and reread the comics like, let that, me read these comics early and see like hmm what's a what's some historical facts i can put together for my friends who will help them understand the comics a little bit more exactly it, kind of like Spider-Man and Nightcrawler's greatest team-ups. Another article on Marvel.com talking about the origin of the uncanny Spider-Man. All right. You know, it's just things like this that pop you into different continuity points and say, all right, I want to go check this out. All right, I need more information. There's not really much news. That's why I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. Instead. Okay. It's fluff. It's a fluff day. You're filling the news with fluff. Ultimate Invasion was something, not really new news. It was a new cover. And then I talked about it with Andy because he was very excited. He loves the maker. Mm-hmm. And he he saw the cover that I posted from Russell Dodderman with Ultimate Wolverine and Ultimate Jean Grey. You mean and Rachel Summers? No, I don't. <laughs> and he, he lost his mind. He was like, was that from a current comic? Did that mean, did the maker win like did he do his thing because he he loves the maker he he dressed up as the maker for superhero day at camp and no one knew who he was and the maker is not a superhero no no (laughs) 
I almost commented that, like on the posts, you were like, it was like, it's Wolverine and Jean Grey. And I almost commented, you mean Rachel? And then I was like, no, that's a joke that I'll save for the podcast. There you go. And that's also Apocalypse Jean that originally it spurred it. It doesn't matter. It. It's Jean with short hair Jean is Rachel. Jean with short hair is Rachel. It's, it's her mom. You know that, right? Like, I understand. Moms but and daughters like, at different ages look alike. It's the same thing with like Hope, you know? Hope can sometimes just look like Jean. There's just but they're not lots related. of redheads. They're not related at all. And then there's Maddie. Well, that, that yeah, same. Literally same, same, but same. different. But different. But different. How Sins of Sinister changed the Marvel Universe. Dun, dun, dun. In case you had questions at the end and you're like, wait, what does this all mean? There's Give me a, a list. A list of things. Do I want to spoil it now? No, no, no. Right, I right. just mean like Marvel. Give me a list. Yeah, I'll go through it when we get there if we miss anything or even just as a high level like, hey, this is what Marvel called out. In addition to what Marvel called out, Kieran Gillen breaks down the final twists and turns of Sins of Sinister with Jordan D. White in an interview. Oh, oh, that was really interesting. That's cool. Right? That so sounds two, like a good read. Yeah, two little follow-up tidbits on Marvel.com to check out for further Dominion Dives. Ooh, Dominion Dives. Alliteration. Uh, we had a poll. Oh, we did? We did. There Crazy. were four, four people in that poll. Four I'm, people? Four people. Comics. Sentient. Four books. Sentient comics. Coming life-like. It was all of these. Deadpool, Deadpool, Invincible Iron Man, Captain Britain, and Sins of Sinister. It was. Who won it? Sins of Sinister. But what's the Dominion. what's the numbers? Eighty seven percent. Eighty four percent. But close. yeah, that was really close. Who got second? Mm. I may have spoiled this in a post and I'm glad that you did not see it. Invincible Iron Man. It was Invincible Iron Man with nine percent. <sighs> That's the second. Followed by Captain Britain, followed by Deadpool. Yes, yes, yes. That's the second issue in a row for Invincible Iron Man that has claimed the second spot in our poll. Phalong's Iron Men are coming for Krakoa. I have no comment. On you don't have to. Iron Man stepping above <laughs> the Krakoan books, but and and it's actually weaving fine. in because it's a good book. It's a good book. I enjoy it. I'm not an Iron Man fan. I'm not. As vehemently I'm a Jerry op- fan, yeah, though. Yeah, exactly. I'm not as vehemently opposed to him as Alicia is. It's not that I'm vehemently opposed to him. I just think he's a D. Yeah, sure. And right. I'm opposed to him and Emma being he's, in a relationship. He's your new sunspot, you know? And you just got to find that nugget that unlocks. It's not new. Just so everyone <laughs> no, know. knows. Through it's... my entire MCU Same like, guy. relationship with comics or comic characters through the mcu i've never liked tony stark no i've never liked him never not once i wasn't sad when he died f you tony <laughs> what's your name hey f you tony <laughs> all right are you ready to talk about digital comics are you no, ready to talk let's... about asexuality actually i am we get the the tragic love story background of Gwen's life, just kind of being alone in a group. Yeah, kind of feeling like the fifth wheel eventually and realizing that there was feelings for this friend, but were they like romantic or sexual feelings or was it more of just a personal attachment to like a safe space? And love for their bond, their activities done together. This was a really interesting dive into self-discovery and conversations and also just... 
you know, when when Gwen reveals to Julie what she was doing and why to mm-hmm. just just get through all that stuff, the kissing stuff that I don't want to do, right? For well, you, because it made you so happy. That's so. I mean, I so complicated. You know, you yeah. want to react one way, but then you're also like, no, she's working through it. It's not her fault to not know this about yourself, right? Well, the thing I think is really interesting is for so long in my personal life, I've never had conversations with anybody about asexuality. I haven't known anyone really who's asexual or I identifies as asexual and I haven't like it's not a topic that generally comes up or is given a lot of light right and recently I have a friend who is going through this self-realization for herself like realizing almost word-for-word conversations of like what Gwenpool is saying in this issue of Um, you know, coming to terms with her asexuality and figuring out how to navigate that in her personal relationship, in her, you know, her partnership with someone. And I just think that that makes it so much more important. And I think the Infinity Comics tend to do this, which is really wonderful, is they tell these stories that need to be heard and they highlight individuals or experiences that are not necessarily highlighted in the books, but are still conversations that should be had. And I I really applaud the creative team on that because it's, like I said, it's not something that you often see highlighted or have those people have an opportunity to feel seen and understood. And for a character who is a title character of a comic to to be experiencing that, it's just broadening the horizons of representation in media and it's really important. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's And it just, it does feel deep and heavy but presented in a way that is i don't want to say conversational but feels as though you know this exchange between gwen and julie feels real right and, and feels like it's unlocking a perspective that like you're saying doesn't often get demonstration in books and especially right. in a story that's focused on this as the main character right so yeah. gwen gwen is leading her story and discovering who she is it's just and, really interesting and the conversation about like different types of love or yeah. different types of feelings that like gwen is still experiencing this butterflies feeling and is still really enjoys and and feels connected to julian in this relationship but is not doesn't feel interested or excited by the idea of like sexual Bumping, next steps bumping parts right so and i and i like that you know it's julie saying gwen do you think that you're asexual right, right. and like just the face of gwen at the end of the issue of like wait, wait what, what? Wait, huh? really? i could that could help me understand who i am yeah it's cool i'm actually really interested in reading the next issue to kind of see how gwen grapples with that yeah. and, and even just what it uncovers yeah Written by Jeremy Whitley, art by Bailey Rosenlund, colors Kelly Fitzpatrick, letters Ariana Maher. VCs Ariana Maher. Our other Infinity comic, which, you know, not doing as deep of work, but right. still d- deep, deep personal discovery in the universe of oneself with <laughs> X-Men Unlimited, the unofficial X-Men. Yeah. You know, like, as you were saying it, I was like, wait, what was this comic about? It was crazy. I mean, it's really just a status update on, hey, these unofficial X-Men have been trapped in Mojo's madness for an extended period of time, and nobody likes it, not even Mojo's kid who's circumventing the entire process with a double, a body double. Yeah, I think that that's interesting, right? Like, 
the commentary of the mojo not wanting to be a mojo. Yeah. You know, and, and not wanting to cause harm to these X-Men. And also the idea that it is essentially a survivor. And right. And Mojo's then they, like, that's not they what point I want. to that, right? The experiencer with all the X Men coming in, except for Firestar, who can only muster up that she knows Spider Man and is friends with Spider Man. That's why she should be on the show. Yeah, I, I was like, why were you going back to digging at Firestar? Right, right, right. I thought we were past this. And I don't know if that was to plant her on the outside, like mm. a support for the team, but it just felt very heavy-handed after we had gone and and made steps. Right ahead of we that, made we made a positive journey. Right, with she's our no longer Firestar. Right, she's no longer an Avenger. She doesn't have this bad blood with the Hellions. Still questionable about Butter Rum and Emma, but she's she's so much more than an amazing friend. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Written by Grace Freud, art by Alberto Albuquerque, colors Rachel Rosenberg, letters Joe Sabino. We do end with a kind of standoff between our X-Men teams, our unofficial and our X-Men. Yes. As they are thrown into this time trap. Also, excuse me, VCs ah, Joe just Sabino. Kept on going. It just kept on going with it. <laughs> How rude of you. VCs Joe Sabino. It's interesting. You said that you're excited for the next issue of Gwenpool. I'm excited for this to be over. Personally, I <laughs> yeah. just, I, and I feel like that's been where we've been for a couple of issues. It's not, I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know any of these characters. I like what they did with the representation and what they're trying to do with these new characters and new stories. It's yes. just, uh, maybe I needed something else to gain some knowledge of who the heck they were. Yeah. And some affinity for who they it's are. It's more the mojo of it all. I yeah, guess if it I was just... a different story with these characters, that'd be interesting. But I just don't really care for the mojo of it all. We do before we get into the tangies. The tangies. We do have two overarching questions, comments, points. Okay. And I remembered a bit of personal news that I wanted to mention. Oh, okay. Captain Two Michael wonders, how are you two doing? How are we doing? Just a general question. Love it. Thanks for asking. We're doing great, I think. Yeah. I was talking to Michael about the Beast Wars trailer that dropped the other day. And and again, you know, not X-Men related, but childhood amazing. I had, you know, as I've mentioned before, I had a few fandoms that I was super into before the world of X-Men and the Transformers movies have always been a big one. And I used to read the uh, Animorph books and I oh. used to like watch like Transformers. Was there a TV show? There was Beast Wars. There was the Beast Wars. Yeah, that. I used I mean, to watch that. There was a Transformers TV show as well, but like a cartoon. Yeah. But Beast Wars was the one that I grew up watching. But like, I definitely watched the Transformers like cartoon the original too. movie. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah, but, so I'm hyped about that. And and how we're doing in general, you know, we're good. We're good. We're the house is here, and it's slowly becoming nerdier and nerdier every single day. Every and single day. I got my more. ladies up on my little vanity, and they give me power in the morning. I'm good. I got my grandpa corner where I sit and <laughs> read my comics on a rocking chair and listen to my records. Yep. It's actually the loveliest thing in the world, and it's by a big bay window, and it's pretty great. Drink beer and. Do other things. Hang out. Hang out. Soon my craft room will be ready for cosplay madness. So, yeah, we're great. Thanks for asking. 
Hot Claws called out that last episode, Alicia mentioned she was reading Inferno, dot, dot, dot. Will we get an episode on that, question mark? Hot Claws, <laughs> I gotta say, one of my deepest shames or, you know. Don't what, call it a shame. I, I got it. It's one of the ten shames. <laughs> and it's just, it's, there was an initial plan to reach Inferno. There are actually two episodes called Road to Inferno yeah. for the intended Inferno episode. But things got crazy. It was the holidays. We went on vacation. Then my job got eliminated, which I thought like, oh, well, maybe I'll do more with the podcast. Nope. Did nope. not. And then I had a new job. It was just, it was a lot of things. And then Dark Web came up and I was like, wow, it's another time. And that's when I started that's reading when she started. Inferno. And it's just, it's such a large story and i want to do it right and then i think like oh maybe we should have other people on too when we talk about it and how do we structure that here's the answer to your question hot claws yes but tbd don't hold your breath but have something to look forward to that's good that's good because it will happen right eventually i would have just kept on rambling (laughs) the personal news personal news we are going to be playing in a dungeons and dragons campaign one yes. of the first D campaigns that we've ever played in other than a little one-off here and there and we're building our characters off of superheroes, superheroes. yeah inspired primarily yes yes my character unnamed at the moment is inspired uh by magic and kate I've got teleportation powers, like can create portals, but then I also have sweet, sweet ninja skills. And mine was initially off of Kate and Harry Leland with some density manipulation and oh. some movement, but I've been doing a lot of random research over the last couple of days <laughs> and have found a, a new build that I'm thinking of. And, and then it went further when I was texting my brother today. Okay, well, you're going to tell me what it is? I'll tell you that it's inspired by a combination between Elixir Ooh. and Black Tom. Black Tom. is a druid cleric. You need to only speak in third person then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to know the name? I don't know if it's it's... I do. I have no idea what my character name will be, but... The name is Treesus. I cannot with you. <laughs> anyway, on to Deadpool. Oh, no. Treesus. Okay. That was fun. Deadpool. I actually really enjoyed this issue. Yeah. I think letting go of any expectations of what the Deadpool story is is how you got to go into Deadpool. I mean, that's been <laughs> that's been the call for a little while, but yeah, absolutely. It, it just kind of keeps on layering that in because it's taking tropes from regular types of stories, types of shows. It's this whole trying to have a date while everything's going wrong. Yes. But I got to talk about this cover for a second. This ghost homage. Oh yeah. Sexy pottery for the win. It's ridiculous and heartwarming, and I honestly love it. It's it's crazy action in the background, but tender romance in the foreground. And I really like that this cover does a great job of kind of giving you the sense of what's happening in this whole issue. It's like Deadpool and Valentine are trying to have a date, and their new BFF, Lady Deathstrike, is trying to take care of business in the background so that they can have peace. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. All right, I'm going to do... It's interesting how Lady Deathstrike has completely changed her tune. Yeah, she's just one of the fam now. I'm going to do a high-level page turn noise for both Deadpool and Invincible Iron Man. 
Are you ready? Sure. All right. So, Deadpool. Wade is recapping his optimism. Lady Deathstrike is there, and it's suspicious to these assassins that are watching on. It's really (laughs) setting us up with a lot of connected players, people that we know, everything that we've been introduced, but now with some specificity on the Atelier characters, which is kind of cool. The Atelier is... uh... They're tasked with taking out Deadpool and Valentine. Right, because and all this distrustful activity is yes, no more. They're a little bit questioning, is this scandal? Is Deadpool dating Lady Deathstrike when he's supposed to be dating Valentine? But really, Deathstrike's just there to be Princess's babysitter so that Deadpool and Valentine can have a nice date. Before we get too far in this Title page. It's it's a title page. I'm out of ideas for up here. Will the Atelier finally get their guy? Read ahead to find out. Just, just, no, no, no. No. Valentine's Day. Written by Alyssa, written by Alyssa Wong. Art by Javier Pina. Colors, Matt Miller. Letters, Josephino. BC's Josephino. This fill-in art team, which I almost didn't even notice at first, but mm. you can really tell the difference between the cover art team, who is our regular duo, Martin Kokokolo and Niraj Manon. <sighs> okay, so Valentine's prepping for their date, and Mirror comes in and wants to play, wants to fight dirty. This was all out ep- epic action. This was insane. Even all of these matchups, right? So yeah. we set up our... Our assassins, and now they're going after our main characters, our friends. Yeah. Deadpool and Deathstrike v. the double assassins. Valentine v. Mirror. Yeah. This drop character. Just going to collapse a whole building? Gravity manipulation? This this is cool. Kind of upsetting. Yeah, sure. Destroying a whole building like that. And the princess backup? Yeah. Princess is here to save the day. Glad that they are a featured part of the team. Yes, they're important. Especially having been birthed from Deadpool's stomach of yeah. sorts. And loins, in a sense. Still interesting to think of how many others are in there. Yeah. That he's growing. But both teams win their battles for now. And Deadpool and Valentine meet up for their date. And I just have to say, I am so glad because I was saying in the last issue, like, oh, I hope Valentine, like, even though they set up for this destruction, I hope they actually really do care about Deadpool. And yeah. it seems that they do. And that makes my heart super happy. Yeah. This is a genuine relationship. And I think it's interesting just who they are that we don't get a whole lot of other right. than their perspective on Krakoa. Right. And just... It's something that we've heard before. You're going to put everybody in one room and then not... Disaster will be okay. Yeah, right. Be surprised when the lights go out and the room compacts. We get this, this page specifically, Princess sneaking up on the assassins that have all three teamed up to crash the date this feels like a sitcom this feels like a cartoon who did who did this what happened yours i did yeah (laughs) from the shadows that's what i think i i got the sense of without realizing i was getting the sense that it did feel very sitcom-y like we're getting this fun romantic relationship we've got bumbling idiots in the background trying to take them down death strikes just like here you go princess have a snack um Deadpool and Valentine kind of sensing what's going on in the background, but also being like, shush, shush, no, no, we're on a date. 
and and even just the domestic woes of are you okay are you not in this date or you seem so distracted oh and so adorable deadpool's like no no i am i just i'm also a first-time father and i'm a little bit nervous about my baby but i'm super excited to be here with you daddy deadpool i love the the phone call of like yeah she's fine and and princess is like hello papa (laughs) forever hello papa and the planetarium date, which was all happy, fun, games, smiles here and there, gets ruined by Last Bite and Ravona. Yes, we've got another group here. And will they succeed in hunting Deadpool? We don't know. We don't know. Heavenly Bodies is our next tease, along with this data page on Princess. <laughs> it's this is silly fun with bits of narrative intrigue, right? It... it the overall package doesn't seem to take itself too seriously, but there are connection points across this as a title to say, hey, th- we're introducing the Atelier as a yes. society of randomly powered supervillains of sorts or, or mercenaries, which yeah. I think is a cool add to the grander tapestry of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, they're a dope group. And then Deadpool's to- there and he's trying to have fun, trying to yeah. be happy. yeah. What are they up to in the future? We don't know. We don't know. We'll find out in the next issue. Not thinking too hard. No. I'm just out here. It's popcorn. We're here. And they, they ate popcorn in the book. Look wow. at that. What'd you wow. think? Any any other thoughts, I mean, I reactions? thought it was fun. I, I was really happy to see that the relationship between the two of them was genuine and that Valentine wasn't just using Deadpool. And I don't know. It's nice to see... Deadpool happy. It's interesting in comparison to the Infinity comic where Deadpool's like in love but not really in love just like magically in love lusting lusting and now genuine love and a a building relationship and i don't know that moment where deadpool walks in and he's like oh it's okay i brought snacks and like kisses valentine on the forehead and i'm just like oh my heart they're so (laughs) cute and i like lady deathstrike and princess as a duo (laughs) they're fun together yeah they're the fun asides the the extra pair on yeah. the outside. We had no questions. All right, then I guess we move on. We move on. To the Invincible I Iron Man. I don't Man. have any questions. Honestly, I am excited to talk about Iron Man. I just, I'm not an Iron Man fan. We'll get that out of the way. I keep on prefacing that. every. Be, what are you conversa- trying to tell yourself you're not an Iron Man fan? I keep on trying to preface it with every conversation that I have with folks. I'm not an Iron Man fan, but I'm enjoying the hell out of this run. It's just, it's fun. It's interesting. I, I don't necessarily feel like I need to learn more, but as I'm learning more, I'm not upset. And would... especially to have it connect to characters that I do have stakes in, like Phalong, Nimrod, Emma, Orcus in general, Sunfire, like that makes me excited for the first time to read an Iron Man comic. This is what I would like to suggest to you. I think you should reframe your phrasing and say, in the past, I haven't been an Iron Man fan. I'm still not an Iron Man fan. mm, I'm still not an Iron Man fan. I'm a Jerry fan. I like that. I'm a Jerry (laughs) fan, and I enjoy this book. All right. I just wonder if you're trying to convince yourself that you're not turning into an Iron Man fan. Period. (laughs) I just... All right, we'll see what happens. Glorious Emma! A step aside, darling. This was the cover. Yeah. In addition to the Tony and Emma cover that you cosplayed with Mark Kendall. Yes, and, oh, it always makes my heart so happy when creators that I love 
comments on my cosplay and Jerry retweeted it and was like, awesome job, folks. And I was like, thanks, Jerry. (laughs) And also Mark did it as a collab post with Midtown Comics. So I have a screenshot of my on my phone of me on the Midtown Comics Instagram page, which is like really just that's cool. That made my whole day. I was like, yeah, that's super dope. Okay, All right. Into it. Let's go Wednesday. So let's talk about the issue. We're we're having a well. I guess we should kick it off with the title page since that's how the book kicks off. The Invincible Iron Man, the autobiography of Tony Stark. Conclusion. Conclusion. Five chapters is all you get. Written by Jerry Duggan. Art by Juan for Gary. Colors Brian Valenza. Letters Joe Caramagna. The VCs Joe Caramagna. Cover by Kel Niu. Which I just, I love that cover. Yeah, it's a great cover. If I had an Iron Man head, I would possibly recreate this cover too, but we don't. So there you go. Well, you know. Why? We're going to get one because you're a new Iron Man fan? No, I'm not going to get an Iron Man head specifically for that, but it's interesting. But you are an Iron Man fan now. No. (laughs) This was the preview, which is interesting that this was the only Emma-related content, and it gave... We were given it to us free the first you couple pages. You had that same complaint when she was in Captain America. I did. And it's still valid. And I do not shy away from it. Because it's a I little feel bit. Like yeah. You put her on the cover and you're expecting more than what we got. Right. Yeah. And you get a tease of it. And as an, and an Emma fan, if you buy this issue and then you're like, well, I already saw this. Which, which we did have some folks even comment on, you know, whether mm-hmm. or not it was a positive thing in the end if this was all that they got. This was, you, you teased it because I don't think she was on the cover of that Captain America one. Hey, yes, she was. Yes, she was. She was swimming in the... Yeah. Right, right. So, and, and this especially, the step aside, and then there was the the one, I don't know if it's a variant or an upcoming issue where she crosses out Iron Man yeah. and, and writes Emma. Listen, step aside, Logan. Emma Frost is the new bait. <laughs> She's a new Marvel bait, okay? Oh, you want to you wanna get some new people to read this book? Put Emma Frost on the cover. Yeah. Psych. She's not really in the comic. I'm upset about it then and I'm upset about it now. But these four pages are really solid. And they bring together the ideas that you know I posted about when the preview panels dropped. The fact that we're getting this tease of Shiro going to Otherworld. Yes. And this update of the X-Men issue where Phalong colonized or it settled Phobos. Yes. And it's a good recap of the relationship and the... The conversation of I'm looking for a worthy opponent. Yeah. And then finding that in Tony and also knowing like Shiro basically being like, yo, Phalong's uh, instituted some upgrades in himself. And yep. y'all should know that and be aware. The powers. The fact that this was something that Tony only just experienced firsthand last issue and now gets some context on through Jean Grey's digging and so basically Emma is the middle person. She's she's relaying Shiro to Tony and that's her biggest role in right. this issue. And and you know, she plays the strategic part of consulting and we're, we're exchanging our yeah, you know, this is tough. This guy, he's got some things. He's Whoa. got some stuff going you on. You ain't seen him before. I've seen him before. So now Tony Tony wants to know exactly what it is that Phalong's up to. So he's going to find out his exact location and head there 
while Feilong is like, I need to know every little thing there is he, to know about every Stark that ever existed. He's already been deep in the company. He's already been doing stuff. He's been connecting with Orcus dealings, this humanity first slogan. The, the vibes that I got, and it's funny because I had listened to a podcast about Elon Musk taking over Twitter oh. and the changes that he had immediately instituted and the, the <laughs> shakeups that like this gave me Elon Musk at Tony Stark's company Stark Unlimited. Yeah. Right? And and to just do this vast history lesson to to dive in to go to this secret base, this secret <sighs> hangar with an uncovered inheritance. This and- is the thing. These are the reasons why I shake my fist at you Tony Stark because you're so privileged that your dad leaves you all this stuff and you don't even bother to look at it. And Phelan goes in and goes, no, no, no. There's a secret message here. Howard's no ninny. He doesn't just buy fancy things for no reason. He's got a plan. Yeah, this is an envelope, this painting with all these audio files, video files. <laughs> I love the scientist guy. It's like, oh, Tony, when he finds out, Tony will be unaware. Yeah, this is mine now. Right. I, I mean, it's it's a hard line to draw, but he is clearly a supervillain. Right. For sure. This message from Howard. He's talking about Mysterium, right? That's the vibe that I got. But at the same time, is it? something that could counter Mysterium because Mysterium is not of this universe. Right, but he's like in he's in a spacesuit. So he was clearly like in space discovering Sure, in space, but Mysterium comes from like that's cosmic fire essentially. That's, you know, stealing from the gods as Doom <sighs> described it. That I feel is a step in a different direction. Yeah, I just I was reading it and I was like because he calls it like magic metal or something. Right, like he right. still names it like an M name. So mm-hmm. I was like, is this just Mysterium? And is this going to be a whole nother like, oh, the mutants got to it first. And now Phalong's mad. He's going to like hold up this video and be like, Howard Stark discovered this before you. Well, it doesn't matter because he doesn't have it. So you discover all you want. But we got the stuff. I just I feel like they left it vague so that they could go either way. Yeah. And I'm not entirely convinced one way or the other. I, I feel like there are some hints towards Mysterium, but also it sets up an interesting foundation to be something other than. But Tony has now arrived. Yeah. And what does he find? I, hold on, before Tony arrives, I just I love Fei Long's movie theater mode. <laughs> he's just got popcorn. He's hanging out. He's got a little soda. He's just watching this. He's watching home movies. <laughs> And then as Tony arrives, he sees the most terrifying chunk of the issue, the thing that really makes this X relevant, Stark Sentinels. Yeah. And to just see, you know, that classic Sentinel look with that Iron Man color scheme. It was intense. That's rough. It's not something that I've ever seen before, but Warline did point out that there have been something similar ah. in the past. And I wasn't sure where it came from, but uh, he... he <laughs> Parsed through the fact that Iron Man is making a lot of callbacks to one thing, but ignoring some other things. Mm-hmm. And and also just this Iron Man 2 vibe where you're getting videos from the father detailing yeah. a secret inheritance that you didn't know. But I actually kind of <laughs> like that synergy. Also, Fei Long being like, ooh, Tony, look, a message from your dad. I'm going to burn it right in front of you <laughs> right. and you never get to see it. Him, him gloating about it and just being like, oh, what a... 
terrible way to find out that I have a photographic memory and I literally was burning the messages in a trash can as I walked in the room yeah. and kicked you to the floor. Yeah, and he just beats he just beats on Tony and he smiles and he laughs and he's having the best time ever. Not only him beating on Tony, but the Stark Sentinel. And to just hear Tony's or read Tony's internal monologue as he's realizing what Iron Man armor on a sentinel does and mm-hmm. how that changes so much more than just the size of an iron man but the strength and the durability <sighs> yeah the powers the this uh, if, I, if I tony's really concerned this. it's not it's not a good sign you know because yeah. he he always has this air of well it's fine Cockiness. i got this yeah. right but he's like oh this is not fine right and Phalong's like he gives the runberry run line right or sure. the run Simba run line. And he says, run, Tony. Tell the world what's coming. We will see which one of us the world will cheer. Yeah. Ah, 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 ah. Which is interesting and I feel is very... It, it's it's the conversation that I'm excited about because it's coming with Hellfire Gala and Fall of X, right? Mm-hmm. How far are the humans willing to buy into this humanity first destruction? Because the mutants, in general... Other than that big message of, hey, we made our own home for ourselves, right. that we're not going to mess with you guys, whether or not you believed it, that's all they've really done in Krakoa other than defend themselves. Right. Well, they did that, but then they also terraformed Mars. So what's happening hey, is, is that it's not that they're actually actively doing anything to the humans, but it's you know, a conversation or a thing that comes up often when in these issues is is propaganda. So sure. Orcus and all of these mutant-hating organizations are just digging into the fear of saying the mutants have created their own nation, they have their own medicine, they're terraforming Mars. They have their own whiskey. Like, they're just saying, like, what's to stop them from coming for you next? Right. And it's essentially... The same thing that Beast is doing. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? And that's spiraling into this idea of like, well, that is a perceived threat or that is a potential threat. And so let's take it down. It's interesting because in my mind, the move to Mars, the move to take Araco was a clap our hands. We're done with Earth. We don't need Earth. Right. We have bigger things in our minds. Humans, you can fight each other here all you want. You right. can kill each other in your wars. We're above you. Right. <laughs> we're literally, you go ahead and have Earth. Yeah, we'll take Mars. We'll take Mars. We don't need to fight anymore, but we still have Krakoa. And that's it. We have one nation. I just, I really like this. Though. I really like the connections to the X line. The fact that this feels like it's splintering further into the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. I do want to mention that Free Comic Book Day is next Saturday. Woo-hoo. Or this upcoming Saturday, May 6th. One week. One, one week from today when we're recording a, a little late. Oopsies. Oops. But I think that that's going to be really interesting for Hellfire Gala, for Uncanny Avengers, for a lot of the other narratives that are brewing from this point. Yeah. And just as we continue to tie into the grander Marvel Universe, it makes me feel like Krakoa is safe. Or at least maybe not Krakoa, but where mutants have been will continue to evolve as that nation potentially dissolves and other groups form out of it mm-hmm. which i feel like is what's happening yeah i i'm not ready to lose Krakoa, so i'm gonna agree with you right well i just feel like it's shifting the expectation of when's there going to be another reboot to well what's going to happen when the ashes of Krakoa turn into something else 
Right. I just feel on is a step above at all times. He's just a big threat. And I, I definitely am excited about where this is going. I, I'd bet that issue six, this blast to the past has nothing to do with X related content. So if you're mm. here just for the X content, I, I would say unless reporting otherwise, that one you could probably skip. And the eight, issue eight is actually listed as a Hellfire Gala tie-in. Oh. So wherever else the crossover with the X-Men comics comes with the Stark Sentinels on the covers. You think we'll that's further out. down? Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not entirely sure because nine was the fall of X cover. So it oh. might be six or seven that ties into X-Men. I'm just not sure. Hmm. So well, let's get those broad reactions because House of Rhetorica was annoyed at how good it was after coming here for the Emma content. <laughs> they just wanted more Emma stuff. I agree. And was also really interested in this comic. And the other side of it, Jordan the Witch on Twitter said it wasn't for them. They were disappointed with how little Emma was there. Yeah. And I think that that was exactly what you're calling and was at the front of mind, the Captain America comic, mm -hmm. right? It's just we were here for three pages, four pages, and just a little side support. And that's fine. It's just the, the weaving into bigger and bigger things. I think it's it's interesting how the from the outside, they're kind of making you think that Emma has like more power than she actually has within the issue, that she's playing some role that is going to either like save Tony or help him in his quest against Orcus and but in reality, she's really just sort of there as a counsel to him and like but, a person he keeps relying on or, or going to and sharing his experience with. But to have both Tony and Steve do that in the last few months mm -hmm. to go to Emma for information, to go to Emma for help really sets up. You know, you think of and I think this is something that Jerry had said in an interview about Uncanny Avengers and the need for Uncanny Avengers is when human mutant relations is potentially at a low point and we need people who are generally beloved by the humans to step into a role that mediates that mm. to be able to, to say be the no, bridge mutants aren't the worst thing in the world we have some of them on earth's mightiest team protecting but there will be an avengers team mm. and it's just interesting to to see that to see emma's place in that potentially and then to also know what happens at the end of dominion yeah and how quickly that'll be undone but who knows my brain is exploding. Barusu33 said Emma should be in more non-mutant books because of how worldly she thinks and operates. Mm. And I think that that makes her a good tie-in. And especially think of Harry Leland as that UN connection into the world and just Hellfire being this point of power beyond even just Krakoa and, and how that connects to bigger things. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the things that that like frustrates me a little bit about it this idea of like Charles because of him like oh well Charles is the face of Krakoa and Charles is the face of mutantdom and he's the one that like you know um way back when when he was like was that X-Force that he died in and then they they were like cover it up don't tell anybody that he died so we don't have to tell anybody that he resurrected and like it was all like this whole big thing. Well, no, he showed because, up at a press conference. Yeah, and, and, and Magneto was going to talk. And then it was like, no, it has to be Charles, blah, blah, blah. But I think that it, what's interesting is that Charles like kind of is more of like a poster child. He's the, he's the one people know. But he's not actually as skilled as like Emma or Shaw in like 
relationships and negotiating and the business dealings right. of it all, which is actually like only the ever, diplomacy of it. Right. You know? He's only ever run a school. Right. Not really a nation or even companies for that matter. He, you know, they do have shell companies and different things that are how they've been funneling money that were detailed in yeah. House of X, but never really the, the business acumen that was, you know, Angel, that's Monet, that's the people that tried to do boardroom of X. Yeah. I mean, he's like the he's like the public face, but he's not the one actually doing the things. Yeah. And it's nice to see Emma being represented as the one who's actually doing the things. And I feel like that's come into play in a few things. Like, wasn't she in issues of X-Men doing something similar? Like, more public relations type? She handled the dealings for the treehouse. Yeah. And to obtain the land and to redevelop mm-hmm. and the zoning issues and all of that. Yeah. Comic Extract said that the Emma and Tony interaction was lackluster and just business, a bit dull, to be honest. But he's loving Phalong's development. Compelling, confident, cold, calculating. It feels like real stakes. Yes. Phalong is disgustingly dangerous in the best ways. (laughs) And business, business, business is the only relationship I would like Emma and Tony to have. So I'm perfectly fine with that. Rufy O'Connor said that Iron Man already feels like an X-book. The Stark Sentinel was scary. And mm-hmm. I do like that we're building into that, right? We're yeah. not just going to say, hey, Tony's here. You know, hey, he, Tony's here. Tony. He said that he wasn't coming to the Hellfire Gala again, but now here he's he here. Is. He's bringing all the Iron guys. Oh, Tony. Tony. Time to uh, dig into... The other world. Captain Britain. But really, our world all along. Ooh, what do you think about this cover? I think it's foreboding. Yeah. I think it is just Lady Morgan Le Fay is really all. It's what I think that the Fury is shouting. Like, hey, I'm the hype man. Oh, see, I think that the Fury is like, look at me. I'm Captain Britain. I'm the real Captain Britain. And Morgan is like, I'm the real Captain Britain. Right. (laughs) I am in charge and I'm also going to kill you all. (laughs) Ha ha ha, silly peasants. Let's dig into it. Page turn noise. <laughs> Megan and Brian are going out on the town, and Betsy's gonna babysit. It's like it, this felt like Braddock Family Values. You know, I this, loved was, it. this was this was a sitcom again. This was a, a TGIF with the British Bretics and theater date night, and our our baby sister, our babysitter sister. Yeah. That. Brian and Megan are off doing their thing and, and saying, hey, maybe you also want to be of the world and the people. And Bessie's like, no, nah, that's okay. That's okay. I don't really want to go out there. I do like the art in here. We haven't, I feel like I've skipped some of the art conversation mm. in, in the previous issues. I, I love the art in Iron Man. Yeah. I'll just say that. Uh, Deadpool. Was also great. Good, yeah. And I, I just, I feel like the tone of this book's art matches its narrative matches the other world vibe it feels i don't want to say like like a scroll but it feels like almost like patchy not patchy like like scratchy a little bit yeah yeah it just feels like it could be on parchment paper Mm. and and look good because of it right 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 well so in babysitting adventures rachel is chrono skimming the universe she's chrono skimming too hard the multiverse and so, you know, what is the first thing we're going to do? We're going to break her free from that. It's the second thing we're going to do. We're going to make sure everybody feels okay. We're going to check in with all the Captain Britons all around. And 
know that it's okay for us to take a second and hang out with the kid we're supposed to be babysitting. Right. We're good. But wait, you can't actually take a break because oopsie poopsie, the fury's attacking the theater. There's chaos everywhere. Betsy, hurry up. Come quick. Oops. Rachel's going to stay home with the baby. And we get to a title page. I, I do like how... Well, actually, I don't. I, uh, just how we're casually using Mother Mind. And I, understand, I, I remember what that is. That's like the database system that also seems connected to news and, and information. And so it's like their computer. It's like right. their cerebro of sorts, especially connected through the telepaths and the scanning of the multiverse. It's just how casually and frequently we use this term that part of me was like, wait, what was that? What? what? Mother mind. Well, they refer to the system as the mother mind. Right, right. Do right. you getting it confused with like mother mold? I'm not getting it confused. I'm just. I'm not getting it twisted. No, I just, I am aware of what it is and I just didn't feel like. I knew it well enough to use it so freely and regularly, but I, I guess it's a core concept of the book. No, oh, well, I guess like I just I didn't recall that it had ever been said before, but it, it felt explained enough to me to know this is their system. Okay, sure. But we're at a title page: Defender of the Realm, the Captain We Deserve. Which one? Written by Tini Howard, art by Vasco Georgiev, colors Eric Arseniega, letters Ariana Maher. VCs Ariana Maher. Erica de Urso and Matthew Wilson on that cover. The Furious Captain. I liked getting this information about oh, yeah. the Furies and oh, like their yeah. their need for destruction and their inability to divert from their mission once it's given to them. Cybiote hunting heroes. This infury, the Everforge's laws to build them essentially as this dark multiversal mirror to Krakoa mm -hmm. to have these three guiding rules. It seems to be you get you get a country, you get a kingdom, you get three rules. You That's get three it. rules. That's it. That's all. Hunt the superpower, defend the forge, never stop. Never stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. Never stop stopping. And I love to see Megan like. Flex. Getting her Megan on. Yeah. Like, look at her right now with these power swirls around her. Everywhere. And her eyes just like, yeah. And she's like, nope, I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. Taking mm -hmm. you down, Fury. And interesting that this Fury's objective is not Betsy, no. but Brian. Well, it, it's almost, it's this destabilization, right? It's the British people seeing a loss for what could be their savior, their protector, to try and have a new hero step in and fill that void, right? Nobody is on board with Betsy. We've been seeding that for issues and issues mm -hmm. and issues. And now we want them to be even more separated from the past of what could have been Brian. So Brian is, is dedicated to the fight and it looks as though, it seems as though the Fury takes him out and, and even Megan believes what she sees here and then the fury is also in believement they like they, they did it they've completed their mission mission he complete. Did. i'm out Great. i can go now go and sleep taking and, a nap and but lock it in just just kidding because betsy speaking of flexing fooled you betsy flexed hard here and created this entire illusion and even had to trick megan so that it really felt real boom you know had to sell it 
But it's okay, because Brian's alive, and the Fury thinks he's dead, and they can kind of go home and re regroup. Yeah. While Rachel goes on a side quest. Yeah. Well, on, actually, Betsy goes with her. Go on your own little mission. Oh, of course, they're a duo. They're inseparable. Where else would the other go if the other wasn't there? Unless babysitting. <laughs> right. The reflector? The other bit of news, the bit of information that we get to this British newspaper of sorts that is spinning the the narrative. We're, we're continuously talking about propaganda and about slander and, and, Oof, and the message, yeah. right? Just reinforcing Betsy is negligent as Captain Britain. She's the worst, isn't she? She wasn't even here. She only showed up at the end. I guess it was, you know, right, like, having fun gallivanting on Krakoa with her sexy parties. And just this... To say, oh, she wasn't there the moment that this happened. And then you think if she was there the moment it happened, people would be she like, caused it. She, she's the reason this happened. The, this is the British equivalent of J. J. Jonah Jameson and Spider-Man is yeah. a menace. It's 100% left and right. Betsy Braddock is a jerk. We hate her. She's not my Captain Britain. No. We got to go find our our other friends. Who? Oh, yeah. Assemble the strike team. We're going to gather them up. But first we need to have a little heart to heart about Saturnine and where people are feeling. Yeah. Like, do we think it was a good idea that we left her? Do we feel like we should have kept her? Is Rachel jealous of her? I thought this was weird. This this was and I'll be honest, I I kind of stopped reading at one point and was like, I'm going to go make dinner. And then I never came back. And I I did finish the issue and I did enjoy it more at the end. But I just, there were a couple of, I don't know. It just felt like treading water in a couple of points. We're just, we're kind of restating some things that are true. And, And yes, it's interesting to dive into this relationship and to how we're feeling, but it felt like a little over the head or, or overkill in my mind where like this, this whole lovers squabble—it just didn't. I don't know. It didn't feel believable. If I'm Rachel, like I love Rachel as a character and her strength and her power and her ability, mm-hmm. and then to just be like thrown off by Saturnine, who is literally the worst and everybody hates her. Like, girl, be more secure about yourself. Well, that's exactly the point, though, is that you have this person who is literally the worst, and Betsy's questioning whether or not she should have you know, ended that their relationship. And though it wasn't a romantic relationship, we know Saturnine wanted it to be. Not with Betsy. Yeah, she was in love. No. She hated Betsy. No. She wanted Brian the entire time. No, remember the entire when, time. Remember when Betsy saved her and I was like, look at Saturnine is in love with her. I get it. I get where Rachel's coming from, okay? Yeah. But I don't know. Just, just I feel feels like manufactured drama. No. I, I also felt like it was less about their drama and more about Bessie trying to grapple with like who her team is and how can she best support Otherworld and did she make a mistake? Sure. I also think it's just interesting these two pages that you're on here where she just kind of Betsy kind of dismisses the entire thing and it almost looks like sadness in Rachel's face in that middle panel as she's walking away. It's like, I got to get get that. That won't be necessary. I don't have time to talk about this anymore. Like, I need to do work and stop getting into squabbles about this ridiculous jealousy that you're mm-hmm. feeling. Which I felt like it was a little cold, but also 
Rachel is not this person. Do not reduce my girl. <laughs> you have all your girls. Rachel is, well, Storm. But <laughs> there was a meme that I saw. I showed it to Alicia. And it was like ranking the, the best mutants. And 15 through 2 was they're all individuals. You can't make anybody better or worse than. And then number one was Storm. <laughs> it was like, yes. Yes. Flip to... The lair of Morgan Le Fay. Morgan's holding court. Just kill this useless mortal. Brian's dead, right? Basically, she's done with Reuben. She's like, oh, I've had enough of you, Reuben. Yeah. I don't need you. I don't need your nonsense. I got my fury. Get out. I'm easily going to conquer Britain. There's no magical protectors in the way anymore. Brian's dead. No, he's not. This This moment where the fury finds out that Brian's not actually dead and he just throws Reuben aside and runs. <laughs> Hunt the superpowered. Defend the forge. Never give up. He's like, oh, shoot, I got to go. Hmm. I do love this page in the scrying pool mm. where Morgan reveals her true plan for the world and, and Reuben's face of, oh, no, what have I done? Have I trusted, trusted an evil, magical woman that has absolutely no care for me and my people? Oh, shoot. I guess I wish I saw that coming. How could you not see it coming? But this preview of each fury bringing our our leading ladies of the book mm-hmm. to their doom, assumably to to doom eventually. Yeah. Yikes! So now both of our uh, la- our opposing ladies are preparing to go meet. Strategic partnership gentlemen. Yes, yes, that's a good way of <laughs> capturing it all together and setting up what will be the next issue as Rachel and Betsy go to recruit Mr. Stark again. No, I think Betsy goes alone. Yep. And Morgan is going to Latveria to get her palace back. Hey, Doomy Dooms. This was... Let me a, caress your face. A callback to a past Excalibur story towards the end after Ten of Swords, dealing with the, the crooked market where mm-hmm. Lord Jasper, what was his name? James Jasper's had... Jimmy, Jimmy Jasper. Jimmy James. Jimmy James Jasper's <laughs> had the palace of Morgan Le Fay trapped in a box. Yes. It's very tiny, but we want to make it big again. Yay. Next doom, doom on the cover. What'd you think? I actually I I like this issue a lot. I didn't feel what you were feeling about the pacing and the the slowness. I think it's interesting to see the two of them sort of work out where their relationship is, and I liked having the full family involved in some way and seeing how the decisions that Betsy made and the the transition of her being Captain Britain is still affecting the family as a whole. And also, I just like seeing Megan get her baddie self on so yeah that's good i'm interested in that and you know it's it's cool to see morgan sort of coming into this moment of you know she had all these people who are helping her all these assistants in her in her journey and now she's just sort of tossing them aside and she's like well i'm just gonna go talk to my guy doom over here and i'm taking matters into my own hands i'm done going out on my own relying on you all i'm just gonna do it myself yeah, I didn't dislike it. I just wasn't very interested. Mm. And I, you know, I said I stopped halfway and, and didn't read it again until Friday after afternoon. 
it, it was interesting when I finished it and sets up some new elements, but I just felt like we were doing a lot of recapping of where we were both in story and in character dynamics without really adding much that that changed things kind of mm. oh here's a problem no we've fi- figured it out it's fine and i don't know i i do i like the art style a lot it just feels excalibur yeah. the scrying pools are beautiful yes and, you know I'm, I'm still here i'm still reading it but i don't know i feel like i go back and forth each issue mm. i enjoy it good Eric Huffman said that Captain Britain was okay. I thought it could have been more of a big fight and bigger show. It fell flat, I think. Doom next, exclamation point. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do agree that there were not really any action, but not necessarily that there has to be for it to be successful. I just didn't feel like the for the focus to have been on character dynamics, it wasn't enough for me in that mm. sense. Comic you wanted action, to dig a little deeper? I wanted something, right? I just yeah. feel like we didn't get anything new. And I have felt that on and off through this, even from the start, where it just, you know, Peggy was new, but it was not really relevant to the core. It was almost a distraction in the quest of Morgan Le Fay to usurp power. Well, I think we got more background and understanding of the Furies. So that was new. Yeah. That was probably the best part. And Morgan is unleashing or or revealing her cards a little bit so that moves us forward and then we get the build up to now tony and doom are also involved in this Mm -hmm. and and though that doesn't it's like one of those those walking dead ish uh episodes that you just need so that you can get a little bit of plot development so that the next one can be epic you know pacer yeah comic extract was positively delighted by how wonderful captain britain was it may have been the book of the week for Daniel. Whoa. On the other side, Warlion doesn't know why he skimmed Captain Britain, but he hated it. <laughs> and the, he brings up the point that I was talking about earlier. The Saturnine never really showed interest in Braddock. I understand the panel that you're saying. I even can see it in my mind. <laughs> and it was when they were on that boat afterwards. Yes. Sure. Didn't really get that. I remember when you came out with that and he's like, oh, something. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Uh, so see, some people see it and some people don't. So you see it. Yeah. I see it, sure. and I can't possibly be alone since Deanie's writing it. Sure, but he also agreed this idea of making Rachel jealous of Saturnine hitting on Betsy as potentially trying to do something, and uh, just doesn't want to see Rachel being reduced to an obsessed girlfriend. But I don't think that that's what was happening here. Like, I think that the bulk of this conversation was was less about the does Saturnine want you or need you or whatever. And it was more about the fact that she couldn't do the thing that Betsy needed her to do. No. Or felt as though she could not. It was more that that Rachel is asking for Betsy to open up to her and to say, like, I'm not going to go in your mind and pry and say like but i know something's wrong and i want you to talk this out with me i i think it's less about wanting to know if she has feelings or has ever had feelings for these other people and more like saying hey let me in let me be your actual partner i'm here for you in more ways than just a a lover like i want to be here and i want to help you process all of this and i think that that's where the relationship development is in that because when she's saying like you're my girlfriend she's she's saying share your thoughts for me and 
And she's at saying, what do you mean? Do you just go into my head? And, and Betsy's like, well, not really. But when I'm looking for you in our big house and and yep. I also think that the conversation about Saturnine is also more about Betsy's questioning whether or not she's worthy of being Captain Britain and that does she need Saturnine as like a staple to have a backing and Rachel's saying this woman used and abused you like no you don't need her to be successful and I don't think it's as much about like romantic relationship as it is about a business relationship and trying to get Betsy to understand that she can stand on her own without the backing of some otherworldly figure. Hmm. But I will agree that it comes up a couple of times, like, oh, are you jealous? Are you jealous? Because even when she's getting ready to go, you know, meet with Tony, it comes up again. But I just, I didn't see it the same way, so I think it's just a difference of perspective. All right. Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, number three, right? That was three? That was three. Two more? Future weeks. This week. Wait. It's a mini? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. It's not announced in the fall of X. Jeez oh, Louise. How do I never know when something is a mini and then my heart breaks constantly? Well, I mean, because I am your source of information. Every book is a mini, Alicia. Just tell yourself every title is a mini series, And then if you get more than five or six issues, be happy about it. Yeah, basically. Ugh. I'm surprised Deadpool's still going. I thought that that was a mini. But maybe it's a, a maxi? I don't know. A maxi? 12 issues. Not a pad. (laughs) Speaking of not a mini, what about this double-sized Dominion? Double-sized event ender. Sins of Sinister Dominion number one. Praying for forgiveness, Nathaniel. I thought you were a man of science, not faith. I don't know. That, that, I guess I see that, but that also kind of gives me like evil villain hand rub because of his smile. Sure. (laughs) It, It... it's a mix of desperate and defeated, but also plotting and conniving. It mm-hmm. is sinister yes. in one image. Yeah. Shout out to Lionel Francis Yu. Always killing these covers. I don't know how I feel, but we're going to do it. Here we go. Page, turn, noise. Let's walk through a couple pages of recap as we get our Ghost Galactus and the Storm System, our our end game of sorts for the Sins of Sinister. If we're getting a recap, I always love to get it from a different perspective, which is what we're getting here, right? Right. We're getting the recap from Sinister's perspective. And and Moira also filling in some of the pieces. So we're doing like a a post-game breakdown of what has happened thus far, and then, you know, also getting some revealed information. The, the where's Moira? That was what I was calling out for the last week or two, mm-hmm. two weeks ago. It's like she oddly disappeared and no one's saying anything about it. Right. She disappeared and there's the conversation of, you know, the two of them sort of showing their cars. Well, where's John Ironfire? Like, I killed him. Don't worry about it. Destiny said something was going to happen. What's it going to be? Oh, snap. It's the Juggernaut. Incoming. It's the Juggernaut as Ironfire is allegedly dead. And flips that on its head. But he's not dead, and he's gonna stab Sinister. I shot you, but how? And this, this is cool. You know, I, I had listened to an interview with Al Ewing, and he was talking about 
how he wanted to essentially create another Wolverine mm. and have him be mysterious and and just rage filled and uh, somewhat of a berserker and having this offside story, but then to also add this layer of being able to coat his his bones yes. in his metal with his power. That's the yeah. next level of a Wolverine type ability. Yeah. He doesn't have to have it all the time. Right. But he has it. And and Moira's just like using this to her advantage. She's like, oh, you're busy over here. Well, I'm just going to go and... and Reset your hard reset drive. Reset everything while, while Sinister's pleading in the background. No, wait, my data. I need to upload a thousand years of data. If you reset, all of this will be for nothing. And she's like, I don't care. <laughs> Good. Should be for nothing. You're done. Title page. Out of time. You're out of time. Your deadly sins. Your infinity deadly sins. I don't know. Mm. Written by Kieran Gillen. Art by Paco Medina and Lucas Wernick. Colors, Brian Valenza. Letters, Clayton Coles. BC's Clayton Coles. Lionel Francis, you and Jesus Arbatov on the cover. We had our two artists, right? We had Lucas bringing our immortal vibes on the other side. Mm -hmm. Bringing us back to Krakoa. Back to the 616 as... Paco is rounding out our dark, dark future. They're honestly both so amazing. Yeah, yeah. This was solid all around, especially, oh, man, this beast in control of Emma's empire as the cuckoos are not having any of it. Yeah. The Namor knots. What? Yes, yeah, the so Namor ridiculous. To see them in action was amazing. Essentially, Beast is like, Listen, Emma didn't finish business, so we're going to finish business. The queen is dead. The jester takes over the chair. But who is still around but sneaky, sneaky Charles Xavier? And, and you want to talk about Beast. You want to talk about his hubris, the fact that he thinks he can handle anything, do anything. I've got psychic defenses. Charles Xavier can't get through me. Fool, he is a super powerful Psychic, who has lived for a thousand years and has built the dream, his dreamers, his just army of pacifists, and he's just going to use you as the Krakoan mind portal that you are now and come through you just in astral form. right through his body. This was ridiculous, he but also really good. out. And you see him melting? Mm-hmm. Beast is destroyed with Xavier having come through him, and the cuckoos not having any of it. Yeah, they're not happy. The dreamers bringing on the nightmare. That's what I call this guy, this head. What is this? I don't know. This is just this the psychic energy of everyone combined and into its own planet of sorts. It's very Modoc. Sure, yeah. A giant floating head. Yeah. By the goddess. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, of course. You gotta love it. Calls out to Storm and the love that he has for her but what what to do when a giant charles xavier is coming for you (laughs) so you gotta get iron fired up (laughs) see cuts open his head and brings down a magneto helmet from it yes his blood spews into a magneto helmet to protect him from charles xavier's mind as sinister squirms his logic into iron fire's mind let me go. There's worse out there, and I can help you. I can give you a little little boost to Iceman, a little boost to Bobby, and then... Get you a little Bobby boost. You know, you can actually fight him, because otherwise, you're just a guy with a hat. Who are you? You're not Magneto. 
but but Xavier for some reason thinks you are because he sees the helmet. Eric, you've been dead for a thousand years, and I've never forgot. I love the the details of some of the people who's like, uh, isn't that? I remember him. That's Juggernaut, of course. Oh, I remember those guys. That was that one thing. Mm-hmm. Or th- these bones look familiar. Charles sees a helmet. Is that my boyfriend? Eric, is that you? A thousand years later, you've come back to me? I also like that John is like, all right, give me the shot, but I'm still going to kill you. Yeah. Like, this isn't this isn't your saving I'm grace. I'm coming sister. back for you. Right. And just, oh my God. Yeah, that one page busting through the head. Just, he was right. Yeah. Magneto was right. Yeah. <laughs> Sinister. Oh, you want to kill me? You want to kill me, John? Get in line, baby. Everybody Everyone wants, wants to, kill, to me. kill me. Come on. Now, Find what him. are you doing with my lab, Moira? No. <laughs> and he sweet talks himself into another positive situation as he's just trying to appeal to Moira. She's furious about the entire thing, having been turned into this hard drive for life's previous. In a classic sinister hilarity moment she's like you turned me into a machine he's like look at yourself dummy you You turned you into a machine right who's who who's in charge he's like fine okay reset it do whatever you want just let me upload my data right that's all i need i need to be able to know what's going on i can't go into the future the future past without knowing what my future future self did (laughs) exactly and that's it all we're going to do is just reset and relive this entire thing. Nobody's going to make any different choices. I won't have learned anything. Right. So I'm just going to go with what, or maybe doubt myself. I don't know how that might affect. That's interesting. To right. Think if of. you know you're reset, then you know something didn't work. But if you don't know what it is, you're just going to spiral. But especially to see that it lasted a thousand years. Right. The remains of Emma's forces incoming. The Namor knots. I don't know why I like them so much. They're so <laughs> weird. Yeah. As Nathaniel reveals in this data page, the Inferno failsafe. Yes, the thing that shut down the sinister mind virus, the thing, the sinister DNA that was taking over everyone, also has the ability to convert all mutant mental energy into processing brain power under his control to simulate an AI god and achieve dominionhood. Maybe. Maybe. Because I can explode all your brains to get what I want, and so I'm going to do it. Here we go. All the melted brains. <laughs> but some not melted. Right. Moira not affected because well, sure, she's, she's a, a robot. robot. You know, she is in no way associated with the X gene. I, lo- I love the fact that he calls one final atrocity before last call. You know, we're just <laughs> yeah. we're going out, might as well go out with a bang. Right. Gotta gotta close Go out strong. Right. John, not affected. Right, because he's never been resurrected. Doesn't have the sinister strain inside him. This monologue over the burning of all the mutants affected by sinister. This this one page with the diamond in the center and all these other offshoots as we check in with some key players. The the dramatic writing here is really beautiful. And mm. just to see everyone visually set on fire, even Sebastian Shaw, who has been on fire the entire time because he's this hell emissary. But is is Wagnerine somehow protected? 
It looks like it is. By her baby, who doesn't yeah. actually have, like, somehow was born without the sinister in well, him. Who a couple of people pointed out also seems red in this, mm. right? Is this the first of what would have been cardinal? Oh, interesting. To have been burned from the, the sinister strain, right? You think of the powers of ten, the failsafe that sinister in that life had bred into some of the chimeras mm. this is a, a flavor of that just in a different way yeah and sinister's like really excited because he's like ha 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 i'm becoming a dominion i'm doing it it's god time oh wait wait what somebody's already here who am i not you this casting red light which i mean you, you just have to i think it's interesting that he refers to it as a sinister dominion. So it's almost as if he knows or, or assumes that another sinister, whether it's the three that we know of or a fifth or some other thing has somehow achieved dominion status otherwise. So here's my thoughts. It's a red light. Yeah. So it's, it's either a diamond sinister or a heart sinister. If it has to be one of the two sinisters that we know. Right. Right. And we so, know it can't be Nathaniel because he's literally getting rejected here. So is it Mother Righteous? Which I just feel like is too heavy handed of a, hey, here's the answer, you know, mm. especially with how she's set up at the end. I mean, it makes sense if you want to go that way. Let's go. I just I, I'm keeping You're it unsure. open. I'm, I'm unsure and I'm having a couple of other ideas. Right. Uh, I think that this definitely ties into the your ghost, the the red light cast from the original sinister dying in that that jail cell right ah. seeing the red take over red and black red and black so that leads me to believe is it is it some kind of recombined version of nathaniel is he able to take the four parts take all mm. that they've learned and make himself into the og nathaniel essex and achieve dominionhood through that yeah i don't know that would be an interesting way to combine it all i know are we ever going to find out who the ghost is right to, to call back even further to you're a ghost, you're a ghost, in issue one, the thing that sets Nathaniel off from destiny in the beginning, how does that tie into the ghost, to the red, to the the big mystery around it all? Mm. I feel like, and not to get too far ahead, but I just I feel as though destiny has a part that she's playing in this to have oh, said yeah. All these things to even say to Sinister, we have to be on the same side and how that influenced his action mm -hmm. in certain things. So that got us to a point where there would be more future. You want to talk about what Destiny is always after. We see in a couple of pages. Right. She wants more time with Mystique. Right. She's awakened to more future. I think there is potential that Destiny could be this other person that's achieved dominion oh. i don't know how that, that or, or she is connected to that in some way maybe destiny and mother righteous team up maybe destiny and something but she feels like she's pulling the strings and the other thing that makes me think that is where moira ends up right we're, mm -hmm. we're kind of jumping all over the place but moira ends up at a improved position mm -hmm. right and you want to talk about we've said this i've said this a handful of times throughout the podcast charles and eric as yep. these dichotomies of mutant relations, mm -hmm. Destiny and Moira as a mirror version of what they could be. Emma potentially playing a Cyclops variant mm -hmm. role in between the two men. And and what that means to be able, if you increase all the power of one side, how does that balance on the other side? Yeah. 
dominion status could be or is it some kind of i don't know these are wild theories throwing them out there whoa yeah okay well sinister dies sinister dies <laughs> and the he's decapitated moira hits the reset and we've got the death of moira 7.1 length of timeline a thousand years peak mutant population a big old number i'm not gonna say right what is that billions Trillions? Quadrillions? Mutant casualties in Psychic Inferno is three less. So that's definitely Iron Fire as one of them. And then I think... Sinister, if you'd call him a mutant. But he does have mutant DNA. Oh, in I, I was going to say... Um, Wagnerine. Wagnerine and her son. Her, yeah, her child. baby. Yeah. I don't know. I shouldn't assume. Dominion Ascension attempts one successes zero we got a throwback to a couple of months ago we're gonna read immortal x-men number nine part two i love that we at least get the part where he's like i don't want to go back to judgment day yeah, i never yeah. want to relive judgment day and i'm like okay whew, thank god we're not going back pre-judgment day right just this idea of whoa that's a that's a big old file a thousand years that's uncomfortably long mm-hmm. what happened the explosion, the Moira over the loudspeaker. Oh, you dirty bird. Yeah. Yikes. Detailing Mother Righteous's mythic virus and how Moira flipped it on her. She was able to potentially, and this is a question, but she was able to cast this spell and send the knowledge back to herself and or Mother Righteous. By using Mother Righteous as the entity that it traveled in? Right. So is that why... Instead of the baby. Right. So is that why... Mother Righteous is informed within this with all this information. That's the the wing of it's the got library. To be. Yeah, it's because just, that's also how Rasputin knows because she's inside. Right. So she's tra- so she at least has her years of experience, but not necessarily the hard drive file from what happened. So mm-hmm. she she has lived her life thus far the nine hundred years, which is still a decent amount of time that she and Sinister have been journeying. And, and the ultimate betrayal of Sinister that she felt, and also this affinity for Mother Righteous. I was posting today about having Rasputin on Krakoa, because Ugh. that's where we get in a couple of pages. And 1407 Grey Malkin said that she's great, but she's currently drinking the Mother Righteous Kool-Aid. And, and she definitely is. She, she is the soldier for the savior that is Mother Righteous. It was such a roller coaster of emotions to see her come back and be like, yes, Rasputin. And then her to be like, and here's Mother Righteous. And I was like, no, no. Rasputin. Oh, the, the mirrored sadness on Sinister's faces. Mm-hmm. The 1,000 the year version of him and then the year zero one. <sighs> this, this over, this, this voiceover from Moira. She knows all this information. She's able to say, you are not going to get this information. This is an active recording. This isn't a message that was sent back. This feels like Moira, in this life that we are now continuing to read, knows the 1,000 years of information and potentially even everything that Sinister had learned in his previous attempts. Yeah. And I wonder if she has any interest in using her mutant gift in the similar way i don't know i don't creating her own moira machines of herself i don't know if she would do that to herself but at the same time that's what she's ultimately always wanted is more chances at life right your story is over this is my story and whilst your lab is exploding 
Someone's here. I am Rasputin Four. Which is interesting. Captain of the fleet. So is Rasputin Four in a Moira clone? Moira seven point one RP four growth cycle begun. Like the genetic yeah. template that is the body of Rasputin. But oh, with, that's right, upsetting. Right. So I, I just don't know. Is that what's going on? Is was Rasputin somehow a, a leader in that ability to come back? Is I don't know. There's a lot of questions in the who is what and how yeah. ending of it. And I feel like we're going to get that teased out over the next couple of months. But Ugh, Mother Righteous. Mother Righteous's mystery magic library. All these books by herself, written by herself. Why, yeah. th- why thank you, Mother Righteous. That's you, silly. That's you, <laughs> you silly, silly goose. And we also get this flash of the page of Kate being all, all right, I've had enough of this sinister. Yeah. And we're going to do something about this. The council coming together for a plan. I love to see Kate stepping up and being like, all right, well, you know, Hope and Charles and Emma, they're all dead. So what are we going to do? do? We're going to get X-Force involved. We're getting the X-Men involved. Get Storm back here. We got to get it together. There's more future, though. Destiny. Something has changed. Oh, man. Rasputin coming through with Sinister right behind her. Oh, this this moment. Yeah. Oh, it is real. And then (laughs) Kate Kate and Rasputin. I was like, oh, look at them. They're amazing. And then Curls commented on the photo that you post of saying, like, what do we think about Rasputin? And Curls said, I don't know, but I know for sure she's kate's next girlfriend and i was like let's go give that, it to me that gives me the the odd like loki sylvie vibes because are they not like like kate pride is genetically in rasputin already okay but also but, like even though rasputin doesn't technically have any of magic she just has colossus but she also wields a soul sword so you've got like a little bit of magic and a little bit of colossus so now you can take the brother and sister who you secretly love both of them and you can make them into one person and you can love that person who was also kind of yourself it's not a shush i mean it's not the it would not be the first time um some potentially weird genetic relations were insinuated but Still, it's it's needing to be pointed out. Maybe to you. But she's got Sinister in a bubble. And she's presenting him to the council. And she's saying, look at this dummy in a bubble. Yeah, we planned. We thought about it. We talked about it. And we're throwing him in the, the pit. I'm like, guys, don't throw anybody in the pit. The pit isn't what you think it is. And... Orcus is trying to get it. And so right. then we go, this brings me straight up to right. Bishop War College. And is so that... that Moira is the Moira who came back. Exactly. And then that makes you question, like, how knowledgeable or how powerful is she in that moment? Is she playing? Was that just for <sighs> us as the reader saying that they're trying to unleash Sabretooth? Was that, or, or does she even say Sabretooth? I think she does. No, she does. They call yeah. out Sabretooth, yeah. So is that before she has the information? Or is it just a cover well, I don't think she knows because in the, in that whole thousand years, like no one knew Sinister didn't know that well, Sabretooth wasn't in the pit. But Sinister did go into the pit, so he likely knew that they weren't there. Maybe, but you, you don't know 
until you're in the pit that you can interact with other people in the pit. So if you go in the pit and there's nobody else there, what's to make you think that you would have any interaction with anyone otherwise? You would just think you're all in solitude down there. I guess, but then also thinking of how Sabretooth influenced the pit and and the effect that he had on it. If there was no remnant of that, that'd be kind of questionable. Mm. And then Rasputin just has to say, Let me show you my girl. Let me introduce you to your savior, Mother Righteous. <laughs> Blech. Yeah, right. This this bomb drop. This this panel in between, honestly, it's it's like when the council reads Immortal X-Men number one. <laughs> yeah. Because they're like, wait, Sinister was doing what? He did what now? And all their faces, Kate. Just, huh? Nightcrawler, his mustache twirling <laughs> up wire. Like, that's, it's so ridiculous. Emma, it's like, huh? Even Leaning in, the, in. Even on the next page where like Mother Righteous has her hand on Kurt and she's making these sly little comments that we know are basically alluding to the fact that she had control over all the yes. Nightcrawlers. Yeah. And Kate is like scratching her head in the background. Everyone's so confused. And then the council just decides, well... Well, before, before they decide, the... The fact that Destiny knew what Sinister was up to and Charles is like, wait, why didn't you? We'll, we'll talk about that later. But why would you not bring that up? You right. Know, like, we'll talk about that later because I can't tell you that it was all just for the love of Mystique. Right. Right. All of my evil plans were just so I could keep my wife longer while you all died and everything around us was destroyed. The continuing reveals from Mother Righteous, the fact that, you know, a bit more bad one more bad bit of news. I haven't said how he pulled off the conquering the world trick yet. By offing the redhead, he managed to get some clever gene meddling malarkey up and working. He's got a copy of himself inside the four he killed. He can take you over. He can warp you. You may not even know it. Ooh. To, <sighs> to deal with that, to talk about that, and then to have Shaw blatantly lie and say, I don't know who this mother righteous person is but i'll look oh, into her right because you know, they made a deal hellfire has connotations and some of them are quite literal and the fact that they made this deal before any of that they made this deal in judgment day right right and we're so, not resetting judgment day so right. that happened so the deal still stuck Ooh, i didn't i didn't catch that good catch but they do ask her to step out they say mother righteous can you just bop out of here for we a gotta, second yeah as we decide this ridiculous solution, you know, we can't just we can't just kill ourselves. We have to hold ourselves in stasis as we figure this out. Stasis. Such a such a terrible term to have to use for this. Yeah. As they are pitted against each other. The council. Terrible <laughs> joke. Because Throwing they're all going in the pit. In the pit. They're just so calmly oh, getting man. enveloped into the pit. I was reading this and I'm pretty sure out loud I was like, no, no, don't do that. No, 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 stop it. Yeah, Cut the, it out. What I was saying that to, don't mind me, a thank you no. would do me, love. I know. I was like, well, Storm, from, don't do it. From every mutant on this island, thank you, Mother Righteous. And she said she had to go and say from every mutant right. on this island. Right. She had to say it like that. Had to. Come on, that's, Storm. That's the next part of it, right? You're talking about how she gains power over your soul. It's when you give her thanks for what she's done. Like, how can this... This isn't the ending. Like, this isn't over. No, because it's not... The, the event... This is a good use of an event to influence and fuel new storytelling potential in the main line, right? And, this and This completely came out of 
multiple threads, specifically Immortal X-Men, but then building with X-Men Red and Legion of X and even some of the X-Men stuff with Stasis to then go off into this side quest and then come back and bring everything that it had gathered into the mainline universe. Right, and because of Moira's involvement in all of this, and then you know like what she goes back to, and you know that Fall of X is really Orcus heavy, then you're like, oh, Sins of Sinister is literally the reason for Fall of X. Yeah. Like all that extra information and all that stuff that Moira now has and the fact that some of the like main council members and one member of the five are now in the pit and Moira is going after the pit with the Blitzwill. Like I just like this is bananas and brain exploding and like I am anxious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should be. I mean, this is a lot that we're left with. And the fact that it seems, I'd assume, resurrections are offline. Right. For the time being, which... Because there's no hope. Which there is none, right? (laughs) Uh, And this is something that has been teased or or teed up in Mm -hmm. the fall of X or in what's to come. Is that resurrections? We don't know what's happening. Oh, man. My my big picture was just, what? This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. It was such a great ending and so many added consequences that affect Krakoa. Yeah. Some that we don't even know the extent of. You know, these are some assumptions about the power that Moira has amassed through this event, the where we're left with Mother Righteous, where she sits in her power and her ability. Yeah. And even just how immediately we have the fall of X or, or before the fall next week yeah and the sons of x to to immediately follow up on mother righteous who seems to be somewhat of a thread through some of those before the falls right she's also in the sinister four which i did read a little bit about is more of their history oh that's cool right so less less so them coming together but may tease that more so building the backstories of our other sinisters. But I think that's important. Like yeah, We yeah. need that. Especially the, if they're going to stick around. Right. The thing for me is that what I'm most excited about, I think, is you get a taste of Kate stepping up in this issue. And now you have these council members that are going to be in the pit. And you know that her character is going to transform through the fall of X into that. And then Rasputin is now here and Rasputin is like under the thumb of Mother Righteous. But I'm hoping that somehow she becomes friends with Kate or there's like some something that happens to her that she can see through Mother Righteous and she's not just used as a pawn the I mean, entire time. She is an Omega level telepath. So right. I feel like that could potentially come into play as it should. Right. But, but just, it's like... Every time I say this, it's like, I don't even want to try to speculate because I just, that's not what I, I would never have thought this would be how it went. Like, and I, I feel like it's good. It's yeah. It's good because of it. Yeah. That's what I like. It's just this unsuspected. Twist. Craziness. But also the knife in my heart of Storm thanking Mother Righteous yeah, yeah, yeah. was, it's like you, you see Storm as. She grew and and her authority grew in um, Storm and the Brotherhood. All of Storm and the Brotherhood and and John Ironfire and like all of this relationship building and this by the goddess and that she's this like renowned hero of the time and then she's the first one to say thank you. Yeah. In this iteration and now does that mean that Mother Righteous has control over Storm in some way? Because that way. seems to be how she gets her her edge on you. Right. How many times do you have to say thank you before 
She has you. Three times. Like Beetlejuice. <laughs> this is crazy. It, it was just, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Anything else, big picture that you would react from? I don't know. I just. I said a lot of the my speculations and theories as we were going yeah. through just the big unknowns. And I threw a lot out at that point of just who's in charge, who got more powerful, who sees more and understands more of what they need to do. I just feel like Destiny is a player that is yet to be revealed. I also want to bring up the fact that the power balance on the council is very villain heavy. You know, mm-hmm. We were talking about the influence of negative forces and now you have you have no Sinister, sure, but you also have no Emma, Hope, or Xavier. Or Exodus. Or Exodus, who was somewhat of a, a moral good yeah. for the good of Krakoa. Your main council is Destiny and Mystique. We have Destiny, Mystique, Nightcrawler, Storm, Colossus, and Shaw. So if you think about and Kate. Kate. So there are technically more good guys, but Colossus is corrupt. Sure. Shaw plays for himself. He's got his own plans cooking. He's neither good nor bad. Right. So it's Kate, Storm, and Nightcrawler. Dang. What a team, though. Kate, Storm, and Nightcrawler. Let's go. I mean, that's classic Claremont. I love them together. That's classic Claremont right there. (laughs) All right, we got a bunch of questions and reactions. So Vaderino said, Dominion was epic, but mm-hmm. I'm confused. Did Moira from Sins of Sinister come back through the Moira engine or just her message? Fingers crossed that Wagnerine's baby leads to a modern-day cardinal. Whom could even be the witness to Mother Righteous, Sins of Sinister's deeds, and thus her undoing? Mm, I would love that. Oh, and you also wonder, like, okay, is, is someone from Powers of Ten in the black hole somehow connected to dominion i don't know that, that's well just listen i always wanted the black hole to come back so that i could get rasputin and yeah. i don't think they're gonna bring the black hole into things because then we'd have two rasputins and the only other person would be zorn right right right. so i just i feel like that that's me throwing too much but you gotta throw it against the wall and see what sticks right, right? you gotta you gotta figure out what it could be i do think that it was more than just the message Right, I think that the question from Vaderino it was more than just Moira's message, but it seems to be her ability to affect things, to blow up the lab, to be able to have the information from it. And I don't know, the Mother Wretches is the big scary. Yeah, she's very scary. A.M. Friedrich kind of walked through this question and then arrived at an answer, but I do want to bring it because bring it up because I think it was interesting. Wondering if you can help me understand part of Sins of Sinister. What is being implied by a new door magically appearing in Mother Righteous's sanctum? Where did it come from? Is this somehow indicating she was the Sinister to achieve dominion? Absolutely love the book, but some parts were a little confusing. Like She does say that the virus she uploaded sent all of Moira's stories, so I guess that's the library? Magic, huh? You know, like, like where... Does that information come from? Is that the downloaded hard drive? Is that the information that she then somehow mm. speed reads as she then makes her entrance onto Krakoa? So the yeah, yeah right. I, I don't I don't entirely know. I think that that's it. Right, that those books are a result of the hard drive information and the magic virus being able to guide this bit to herself, and the fact that well, she is the guide. I think that because Moira still sent the heart back. Yeah, that Moira still has that same information. But this is the manifestation of a thousand years of memories in this. So 
this is, and that's why she says, oh, thank you, Mother Righteous, because this is herself sending that information back to her. And right. though she didn't go the way that she intended, she still got the information because it was her magic. Right, but I just feel like there has to be something about that point of it being corrupted in some way. The fact that Moira corrupted Mother Righteous's machine against her by using her essence as the guide. Maybe. Maybe. The, the question that a couple of people are asking, Am Friedrich specifically, and J.P. Dinomasso was wondering, you know, who is the sinister that achieved dominion? Who is, because he calls it a sinister dominion already existing. Okay, wait, I have a question. Yeah. If you go look at Mother Righteous's giant library, let's look at that image. Yeah. Look at the floor. Diamonds. Why not hearts? I mean, that would be a tacky floor design. But why diamonds? <laughs> sure, sure, right. Well, especially in her her new area, because it's not diamonds in... You can only see a bit of the floor before she opens the door, but it's not diamonds. It's more like swirls. That's it just seems like there's big old diamonds on the floor, and that is questionable to me. Yeah. Like, if you're going to have... Like, maybe that was just a... a a misstep yeah, I don't in, know. in design, but I just feel like, is she secretly a diamond sinister now? Some no, change? I don't know. Because she got her mask back on. Yeah. So who reached Dominion first? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's it's potentially Mother Righteous because of how much she's been set up, but I feel like that's a little too obvious. And is it some other type of sinister? Is it Destiny somehow? Moira somehow I don't know I don't know it could be Moira I guess but <sighs> I don't know I don't know I, I have nothing that will give me my like my gut says it's mother righteous but that's just that's just the obvious answer so yeah. comic extracts was wondering did we ever figure out who the ghosts were it's not obvious who reached dominion right despite that issue uh being titled dominion Mm-hmm. You're right. We don't know. We only know the the tease, and and that's the big thing. That's the thing that everybody has been after, or the thing looming in the background, the thing that introduced in Powers of Ten this idea of dominion and amassing power through AI intelligence and supercomputers mm-hmm. and black holes and all this nonsense. It's still it's still very much so a mystery that we are not aware. Warline said dominion was really good. The way Sinister tried to ascend is the same way Life's Nine Sinister betrayed the X-Men. So what if that's the Sinister who ascended and is preventing his other self from ascending, but is letting them try to ascend and absorb the knowledge? I know that Life Nine Sinister was executed, but it's Sinister. He has more clones than Gwen Stacy and Logan combined. <laughs> and I, I just I question if there would be a distinction of the not you, you dispute between himself if that was of him like would he not recognize at least the part of him that was himself and yeah because he does say it wasn't me it was one of the others or right right someone else some other one yeah we don't know and warline's pointing this out we still don't know the deal that mother righteous made with rasputin to save her slash send her to the past Mm -hmm. That, that seems to be to give her that chance to take down Sinister because that's all she wanted. That was Yeah, the big, I feel like that's got to be what, what it was. Right. If you get in my little bubble, you you'll take, get a second chance at taking him down. Before all of this madness even starts. Yeah. You can go to Krakoa. You can see this land that once was. You can have a different life. 
and you can take down Sinister. Yeah. The plans between Mother Righteous and Shaw, mysteries. Charles and Emma being in the pit, but also in future books, questionable. I have also seen the preview for next week's Immortal 11. So, yeah, Mm. there's some hints towards that there if you're curious and can't wait till Wednesday. I can wait. Yeah. Eric Hoffman said, okay, I think I know what happened in Dominion. I read it twice, but need more. Who won exactly? Am I missing stuff or were things not really tied up for what's coming in Fall of X? Yeah, I think it was left open intentionally. Yeah, left open intentionally, but there are people that have benefited from it. I don't Mm -hmm. know if anybody's won yet, but they've been set up to take that final strike, right? Mother Righteous definitely has improved her station. Moira. Same as Moira, yeah. Even, Even potentially Destiny. Yeah. I know Alicia is happy about Rasputin. I wonder if it will be weird for Rasputin to interact with her, let's say, ingredient donors. Awkward. Yeah, especially, especially when if they she kissing. sees Colossus for the first time and she's like, wait, what? What? Who, who are you? Why am I Magic hearing... walks in with her soul sword. She's like, where'd you get that? How are there two of them? Let's fight. Will she run into old man Quentin? Maybe. Blanchina really overall enjoyed Sins of Sinister from the backstabbing stabbing to the cameo chimeras and thought it wrapped up really nicely, especially except that last panel of them going into the pit just felt odd since they'll most likely immediately be released for whatever reason because, yeah. you know, we need them in other books. Yeah, absolutely, right? <clears throat> Do we think that Baby Banff and Wagnerine got pulled along to the 6162? And hold up, was it just me or did that baby look kind of red in that panel? Is the baby an alt cardinal from Powers of Ten, right? So something I think Vaderino was also talking about this. This the redness of the baby. I would very much so like to see the child. Show me the baby. Um, I think well it's interesting because in the flames, like when everyone was burning up, they were kind of in this protected. more golden yeah. protected glow. Right. Which is interesting because the baby is usually in a golden protective glow. So I think being Here's the thing. Just go back to to Powers of Ten, House of X, Powers of Ten, the three cards, right? Rasputin is one of those cards. Yep. Cardinal is one of those cards. Right. And then the Tower is one of those cards. Yes. So I think it would make sense for those cards to come back into play in some way. Yeah, they should. I mean, that's like the thesis statement at the beginning. So I I think that they play in in some way. We just don't know how. Mm Mm-hmm. Whew. Yeah. That was great. That was that was really good. That I, was so good. And it I, leaves me like constantly feeling like I need like I need a few days, a few like a full week to process and let my body absorb everything <laughs> that just happened. Yeah, that was that was a good week to take some time to let it simmer a little bit more. I, I basically had afterthoughts before afterthoughts. Yeah. But we'll continue to think. You for, know there'll be even more afterthoughts on this week's Patreon. Right. Because now we've discussed it. Then I'm going to edit it. And then, and then you're going to think about it more. Right. I'll probably reread it again. We'll talk to friends on the internet and get more ideas. Yeah. Are you ready for next week? What's happening next week? I mean, I've said most of them. Scarlet Witch number five is the only other. Not an X book. Doesn't deserve to be in the poll. Get oh, that out of the come poll. On now. With that bananas nonsense. Because then there are only two issues in the poll. X-Men Before the Fall, Sons of X, and Immortal X-Men number 11. Which is a stacked week, but a lightly stacked. A lightly stacked. stacked week. Right. Oh, man. Well, I don't know. I'll let you know if I was ready for it after I read it. Ooh, all right. Cool. Woo-hoo. There you go. 
Until next time, old friend. Charles in the pit. Goodbye, Charles. So long. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>